ESPN. ESPN. Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Great Scott Show on a Monday. What a weekend in sports. Good weekend on the diamond. Fun weekend on the hardwood. A non-sports story that had everybody chirping last night on social media. The Oscars de la Hoya is maybe what we'll call it. I mean, dude. Wow, dude, really? That was Chris Roxworth. That's what that's the exact phrase you use when somebody overreacts to something. Wow, dude, really? Really? We got a lot to get into. The final four is set. We've got uh, coach interviews with Louisiana Rage of Cajun softball coach Jerry Glasgow, Rage of Cajun baseball coach Matt Deggs, as we do each and every Monday during the season. And Rage of Cajun softball felt like Rage of Cajun softball this weekend. Perfect game from Kendra Lamb, a complete sweep, all mercy rule. And Cajun baseball, man, whew, that was... At Friday night, the walk-off, extra innings, the bars. I mean, that's that's when it's fun. The one-one pitch. There's a ground ball, and that's going to get into right field for a base hit. Here comes Marshak. Here comes the throw. Not in time. Cajuns win. Cajuns win. Cajuns win. The freshman. He gets his redemption, and Louisiana wins 5-4. to four. Man, you had 0 for 16 with runners in scoring position. Bobons is throwing liquid queso. You suddenly down one in extra innings, and then you get two guys on Roy's scoring position. Bam, bam, ball game. Walk it off. We'll talk more about that certainly at 8-15 with Coach Matt Deggs. But let's kick off with the final four now being set. Final four. We'll call it the Blue Blood Final Four because from a cachet standpoint, this Final Four is it. Now, as Jay and I discussed last week, as I pointed out to him, with the exception of Indiana, in the sport of college basketball, the true Blue Bloods in the sport all actually have blue in their color scheme. All of them. Some form of blue. Chris emails. He says, last Tuesday, you and Jay identified NCAA Blue Bloods. If I recall, you guys did not list Villanova as one of them. Do they fit the category now? It's interesting. I don't remember if we did or we didn't, but I think, here's the thing with Villanova. It's always been a basketball school, obviously. They've always been known, but they have the natty from 85. That was, you know, the improbable run. 
one of the more improbable national championships ever. But the fact that they've won two recently and have a chance to win three in six years, which hadn't been done since UCLA was just ripping off natties back in the John Wooden days. You know, at one point, Duke was just a small private school and Coach K had them kind of coming up and suddenly they had won a few national titles and now they were all the rage and now they were a blue blood. Prior to that, they weren't. They didn't even have the way back win, remember that, like Villanova does. I think from a basketball standpoint, what Jay Wright has done at Villanova right now, yeah, absolutely. They have multiple national titles. They're a basketball first school, undoubtedly. They have a coach of the year. He's won it before. Big moments in March. Skins on the wall. Yeah, they're a blue. This is a true blue blood. Now, unfortunately for Villanova, because they look like a buzzsaw. One of their stars, he, he, he tore his Achilles like in the final seconds. That's hard. You're cutting down the nets to go to the Final Four again if you're Nova. Meanwhile, you're all Big East player in Justin Moore. The guard is done. Diagnosed with a torn Achilles tendon. Going to have surgery, and that is that is a blow, man. In the final minute with their team up four late, and it's it's tough to watch the injury. If you watched it, if you were watching the game or if you watched the highlights after, I saw a highlight on Twitter, just plants that right leg and ooh, you kind of see the calf kind of just pop. And it sucks because they're all wearing these like fine, they're wearing this final four gear and they have all these gear on and they're, they're crying for them. Kind of a somber, a bittersweet celebration. Can they compete without him? I mean, this is the third Final Four since 2016. But when you're going in and you're facing Kansas and then either UNC or Duke, if you get by Kansas, I, I the Jayhawks who steamrolled Miami are in the driver's seat. Because Villanova, they only really play, they only play six players in double-figure minutes to get the win on Saturday. It's not like Coach Jay Wright is going deep into that bench. Now, you know, you got to overcome some stuff, but it's a giant blow. But New Orleans, talk about a a great setup for them. You wanted some fan bases to come. You wanted some blue bloods. You wanted some big-time programs on the Final Four. You got it. And I love the St. Peter's run. It was awesome. It was magical. It was miraculous. It was unexpected. No 15 seed had ever gotten to an Elite Eight. Their win over Purdue was wild on Friday night. The power of the Peacock. Mark Wahlberg's gift from the other guys was just trending on social media for the last few weeks. It was good. It was a great story. It was cool. And when a story like that comes along, it's hard not to root for it. It's hard not to, 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 to follow it. It's hard not to learn new things about a school you really knew nothing about. But it was, it was awesome. It ends when it did.
Would have been cool to see him beat Duke in the Final Four. Now, that's whenever you're getting a, you know, a biopic made and a documentary and a hundred other things. That's not going to happen, you know, with the loss in the Elite Eight. It was fun. It's great for the school, but it's done. And now you've got Duke, UNC, a chance of ultimate Coach K send-off or ultimate Coach K heartbreak for all the Dukies. The drama Saturday at the Caesars Superdome in the terms of college basketball. The stakes, the drama, the rivalry. I don't know that it's been any higher than what you're going to get in that Duke-UNC game. Ever, ever in the history of the sport. We'll talk more about that later in the show. The Pelicans down 23 to the Lakers. Nope. Well, they were. No problem. Come back, win, and cover the spread. Jose Alvarado is no longer on a two-way contract that he signed as a UDFA. He's got a real deal, great value, great heart of the team, great hustle, great win last night. Even after a difficult loss on Saturday to the Spurs, Pels back in the driver's seat to host the Lakers in the play-in game. Still eight games left on the schedule, but that one last night was big for so many reasons. We got a lot to get into, everybody. Don't go anywhere. Big weekend in the Diamond Sports here in South Louisiana, including Raging Cajun Softball, the clean sweep, all via the mercy rule. Kendra Lamb, perfect game Saturday. That felt like Rage of Cajun softball over the weekend. We're going to talk to Coach Jerry Glasgow next. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Into the great Scott show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. 1033 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. If you're listening to us via the stream, it's brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Wilson or Champagne's Going the Extra Mile, Raging Cajun Softball. A dominant weekend, three victories over UT Arlington. Mercy rule in each one. It is the 67th consecutive Sunbelt Series victory for UL. The nation's longest active streak continues. You got to go back nine years now for when it started. And uh, head coach Jerry Glasgow, as he does each and every Monday, joins us now on the show. Good morning, coach. How are you on this Monday? Uh, Doing well. Doing well. It felt like... um, a lot of things work for you guys this week, and there are a lot of ways we could sort of start with this conversation, but I just want to start with an overall observation. I talk to you each Monday. 
How are you feeling this Monday compared to some of the Mondays uh, previously this season? Uh, you know, anytime you win, it makes it it makes it really easier to get out of the bed. When you lose like when you lose like we did the last two weekends, it makes it hard to even go to bed. It makes it hard to sleep. So it's a it's a good feeling. It, it, you wake up with more energy, I think, anytime your team is playing the way you perceive it as well. And I, I did. I perceive we played well this weekend. And I hadn't perceived that in a long time. I, I can't remember when the last time I thought this team played well and represented the uniform well. But I did this weekend. I was really proud of the effort. I was proud of the results. I was proud of the uh, performance of the of the team. So I slept good last night. I wake up. I'm energized this morning and excited about the rest of the season. Well, your team, um, they seemed to, you know, they were they were demonstrative, showing a lot of energy, having fun. It, it was, a, the weather was perfect, but it was a fun weekend at Yvette Girard Field. And, you know, when you get some of the pitching performances you had, uh, it makes a number of things better for your team, obviously. Um, let's start with Saturday, and then I'll circle back to, to, to Sam Landry. But Saturday, Kendra Lamb, a perfect game coach, um, you know, wins it through five strikeouts. Perfect games don't come around often. And, okay, well, five innings. People could say whatever they want. A perfect game. It was quite a performance from Kendra Lamb, one that obviously you, you know she's capable of. But the way she'd been playing this season, um, what was the mood in the clubhouse after that? And uh, what were your overall thoughts on her performance Saturday? Everyone was really happy for Kendra. You know, she's such a really good team leader. She's a really good person. She's a, a really good uh, teammate. And, you know, nothing has been easy for her this season. And so, and she's important. She's important to a ball club, her success, uh, and her failure. You know, it, it, they both have huge results and impact on our team. So, there was so many reasons to be excited and and happy for Kendra to see her have great success and then the implication that it means the well-being of a ball club. And, you know, um, a lot of people don't know this, but, like, she'd gone through some health challenges and had done an MRI on Thursday and we were anxiously resulting the results, which were good. We, we, we got good results on her MRI. And so just to, that kind of put an exclamation point on the fact that, yeah, she's going to be okay She's healthy, and, uh, you know, when she went out there and performed like that, there was just a lot of elation from the girls on the ball team, and that was fun to see. I imagine waiting for the results of something like that um, kind of can, I guess, wait on you, right? And that weight sort of being lifted off the team, but I'm sure also off of her. Did, was she able to sort of loosen up a little bit after getting that good news, just not having that in the back of her mind? Yeah, uh, that's we've been through so much for this ball club the last two years with the, all the injuries. I mean, people forget right now we've got three starters out, and and you know three kids that were starting at the time of their injuries, and you know that people forget that, and we we've learned to just ignore it and play through it. It's just part of the it's part of sports in every sport, and you can you can make a fatal mistake when you start making injuries to be 
terminal and ending, you know, or affecting your results, they're just part of our sport, and we have to play right on through and keep keep going. And you can't let it. You can't let a injury weaken your ball club. You have to find a way to make those injuries pull your team together and strengthen your ball club. At the same time, you know, you'll start to feel a snake bit to some degree. So it's really good to to have have a player go get an MRI and then find out, hey, there's nothing wrong and there's nothing major wrong. It's just we just got to work through this. And uh, that was a really good break. So it gives everybody a lot of peace of mind, I think, is really the, the best way to describe that. There's a good peace of mind that, you know, things are going to be okay. Coach Jerry Glasgow, our guest. Sam Landry, uh, we've talked about her. Uh, a lot this season in terms of impact players and newcomers. Uh, she was great for you, right? Bookends the weekend with some wins. Uh, as a staff, you guys only allowed one run the entire weekend, but for her to uh, have the performance she had, and really it, it seems like now settling in to one of those uh, two key spots on the pitching staff where you're leaning on on the whole staff, but Jerry really riding maybe two starters a lot this year. It seems like Sam has submitted herself in that. Is that fair to say? And, and where are you at with her in terms of her role on this team? Yeah, I think, uh, I think Sam's doing an outstanding job for a freshman. Um, I think she's got the pitches. She's got the, the amount of pitches that she can pitch forward and backwards with a change up in velocity. We're able to give hitters a lot of different looks, so that's that's mainly the reason I decided to go with her on Friday and Sunday. I think she can pitch completely two different ways and a little bit more effectively, maybe than the rest of the staff. The other part was a health issue. We, you know, with just, just keep a candidate healthy is going to be critical. So I don't want to crowd her in there too much on the weekend right now. Um, and as you see, she was like, when Kendra's good, she's really good. So, and then the other piece in that, like, they didn't give up a run. As, as the starting pitchers in the three games didn't give up a single run, which was really good. I think you go back to South Al, we did that last year. Um, we had a weekend where we didn't allow a run in the series. But it was a it was a good performance. I, Megan Shorman has been outstanding at times and has been inconsistent uh, and not been outstanding at other times. But I still see great, great potential there, and that's the one now. We want, you know, Coach Justin. I told him like key in on Shorman and and Lamb and really get him going. I thought he did a tremendous job with Lamb this last week. He's done a good job with Landry all year. Um, I want to see him. Uh, really key in on on both Kendra and and Shoreman, and I think we can get Shoreman to a really high level. I, I see great potential with Megan. Um, we just got to find a way to to get get that get that uh, momentum for her when she goes out the circle and really see some consistency on on her performances. And then I think we'll be where we need to be with our pitching staff. Everything else I think has been pretty good lately um but um that's that's what we're looking for now over the next two weeks and and just keep uh candra healthy 
where it should be ready for the stretch run. Rage of Cajun softball coach Jerry Glasgow, our guest. I'm Scott Prather. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Um, we're talking about a, a good weekend for Cajun softball on the diamond, a sweep. And when your pitching is as good as it was this weekend, coach, maybe there's not as many opportunities in the field as when you're playing, you know, uh, seven inning games. But to see zero, zero, and zero underneath the E on that final box score, did not have any errors this weekend. And we've talked about your team and fielding and being consistent. You had to like what you saw uh, defensively from your team this weekend, just playing clean softball in that regard. Yeah, I was elated. Uh, we've had times this year where we didn't need very many opportunities to make a lot of errors. We, we've taken advantage of our limited opportunities a lot and found a way to, to boot balls around. And and this this weekend, I thought the key to the weekend was uh, Melissa Mayu as shortstop, not just defensively, but defensively and offensively, and Ari, Ari Quinones at third base, uh, offensively and defensively. And I think they both set the tone with their defense. They made a huge statement. And, you know, as there's a lot of uh, young college players on our roster, and those are two veteran players that have been through some wars. And I thought for them to step out there as veterans, and they really took the ball club and set the tone. Um, you know, Mayu was outstanding. on She was five for six hitting, two home runs, five RBIs, two walks, uh, slugging persists through the roof, and then Ari – really had a good weekend offensively. And then they made a couple of plays each that was like the play behind third base uh, that already made yesterday was uh, a special play. And just their, their leadership in the infield and you know, just the things they did throughout the weekend was really special. And I thought set the tone for our ball club. Offensively, Coach, it, it was strong as well. Um, game one, I believe 11 hits, 7 RBI um, game two, nine hits, eight RBI. And then yesterday, um, 12 hits, eight RBI. Uh, Stormy was great, right? Uh, everybody, it, it just seemed offensively it was clicking this weekend. And again, like you said, it's it's better to um, wake up to start the week on a Monday when you're coming off a weekend like that. But speak to the offensive performance of your club Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, I've been pleased with our offense. I, I I think we're getting better. I think we're finding consistency, and 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 the talent level of the offenses is just enormous potential there. Uh, it starts with Matty Hayden and and Stormy at the top of the lineup. I think you can put Stormy or Matty in the leadoff spot and put the other one right beside of them. Uh, I told him earlier in the year I want to see him become you know like the best one-two freshman leadoff hitters in the country and a one-two punch in the country and challenged them to do that, you know, like, I don't know, fifth, sixth game of the year, we were talking about that. And, and it's, it's taking a little bit of time and a little bit of maturity, and but they get better and better and better. And, and, and then Jordan and Sophie have settled into the three and the four holes. So you got two sophomores there. I think that's the one thing that will be, We'll be able to come out of the gate with more consistency next year because we'll have, uh, you know, we'll, we'll know what we are, we'll know how we are, and we know how we're going to do it more so next year. But this year it's just been finding who we are 
finding the the order that works. Uh, can't mention this weekend offensively without talking about Kayla Falterman. I mean, she she's unbelievable the way she plays the game with her intelligence and just quickly becoming one of my favorite players um, because the way she plays so smart on the base pass, uh, so smart and effective in the way she handles a bat. She knows when to bunt. She knows when to slap. She knows where to place the ball. And then has the ability to do that. And then very, very seldom is she, you know, she just doesn't strike out. So that's really, really been a boost to our ball club, too, getting her. And then alongside her, Kramer Ustay uh, has been outstanding. So two more freshmen at the bottom of the lineup that really are having, you know, solid years. Uh, hitting in that 400-plus range. And so if the offense is starting to, to come around and really flow smoothly, um, you know, and I think our, our big job we want to see now is, you know, with this, this game over at Texas, the Texas State games are going to be really good. Our next three weekends, a Sunday, we're going to see really good pitching. So that's our challenge now. These next these next 10 games with Texas and then your three weekends, and then um, continuing on behind the third series with South Al, we make that trip up and we'll get a doubleheader with Illinois, go over to Indiana, three Big Ten schools. Uh, somewhere in that stretch right there, I want to see our offense really get learn how to hit good pitching, and and you know put runs up in a in a put up a lot of runs against a really strong pitching staff because that's what we haven't learned to do yet and what we got to work on to get better and make that run we need at the end of the year to get into the postseason. Coach Jerry Glasgow, you mentioned some of the upcoming conference games and non-conference games, and um, none of those teams you mentioned um, have a record as good as Texas is right now, especially at home. Texas, I think, has only lost one game at home this year, and you got to face them um, earlier this season, Coach, when you look at Texas again, having another shot at them, but in Austin, single game, this Wednesday, 6 o'clock, 545 pregame. You can hear it here on ESPN Lafayette, everybody. Uh, what do you want to see Wednesday? What's your Obviously, the goal is always to win. I get it. But beyond that, how do you get that win? How do you accomplish that goal this Wednesday? Well, I want to, I want to see the pitching play. You know, go go seven innings of strong with a, a strong effort, and then defense to stay consistent behind the pitching. And obviously, that that one big inning that we always seem to give up early in the year. I hope that we can put that behind us. The last Texas game, I think the score was three two. Um, you know, it'd be nice to win three two, um, and that's what we, we. I'd love to win seven two, but. If we if we can just scratch out a win, it'd be great. That's what we need. We need to learn how to to walk onto the field and and you know we played at Texas the last two years. We played two double headers over there and we split both of them. So we've had some success on that field, which is hard to do. Um, you know, hard to go to hard to go into Mike White's field and get a win. But I felt like we played really even ball with them, except for the one bad inning. And I think it was two to two in the fifth, the first game, and then we give up seven right. in an inning and got beat nine to two. And uh, but, but we held them for five innings, and then we come back the second game and and you know managed to hold them to three innings for the seven inning game, and 
and we only scored two. So we can do better than that on all accounts, offensively, defensively, pitching. And for us to go over there and get a victory, we have to do better on all three phases of the game. So that that's that's something I, I just want to see us play a really quality game. Win or lose, we'll, we'll grow from that if we can do that. And then this game for Texas State are critically important to our our conference uh, championship run. Uh, you know, it's they're, they're a hard team to beat. And they're a very good team. They've struggled. They've they've really struggled this year, out of the gates. And they're, we know that their ability is much better than what they've shown at this point in the season. So those are going to be hard games. It's going to be four impactful games in our season. Uh, really tough games, and uh, you know it's going to be a tough four game road trip. So. You know, make sure to see how our kids respond, but it is critically important this week. And so um, it's a good way to go into the week with some confidence and some feelings of uh, optimism and positivity. But, man, it's a, it's a big week for us. You mentioned um, this week. What is the plan from a pitching standpoint this Wednesday? Do you, do you have an idea of where you want to go and, and who you're going to start this Wednesday? Uh, I don't. I don't know yet. I'll talk to Justin today and see what he's thinking. I, I, I think he tossing it around his head. Uh, that he, you know, he's actually talking. I think he got tossed around because Shorman was very good against Texas last time, and I, I think he's looking at considering all three. He, he could start Shorman. He could start Landry. He could start start Lamb. Whatever, whatever the final decision he makes, he's also got to keep in mind there's three games back to back. You know, less than you know, less than 36 hours after that first game, um, you know, you're getting ready to start warming up against Texas State at Texas State. So he's got to make and those conference, those the conference games in, in most ways are more important to us than the Texas game even. So this it's a decision that's got to be made based on Friday, Saturday, Sunday as well as um, as well as the Wednesday night game. So uh, you know, I I, I would expect. At the end of the day, it could be any of those three, and uh, I, I, we just need we may need all three to pitch at some point during that night. I think that would be uh, more what I would expect. Coach Jerry Glasgow has been our guest. Always appreciate the time, Coach. Uh, good luck on the Texas road trip. Big goals set, and um, I guess final question for you: When you have the atmosphere like you had this week, and the weather's great, you're winning. Music's playing, the fans are dancing, the team's dancing after the wins. Um, just that, just describe the atmosphere this past weekend at uh, Eddie Vetcherard Field at Lampson Park. Oh, I, I thought that it was a really a beautiful weekend for softball, and the fans were fantastic. And you know, I, I tell our players just after every game here lately, you know, it's, the fans that are out there right now are really great Cajun fans. Because we've we've not played well enough to to get the guys that you know the the cherry pick fans that jump on board when you're winning the bandwagon fans you know they're not with us right now <laughs> the fans we got that are coming out are just people that love Cajun sports and love softball and supporters win or lose and um, I thought they give those fans a great effort and I thought the fans were appreciative as always. And maybe a little extra, more so this weekend. But it was a phenomenal, a phenomenal atmosphere at the ballpark, and really fun, and 
makeshift, you know, wish everything could be at home because it's such a special place to play um, and such a special fan base to play in front of. So it lives really good. If you, obviously, you must have been out there and realized and thought what we all were noticing. But uh, it, it was very noticeable, the energy of the ballpark and just how special a place it is when, when, when you get to play in front of those people. Coach, appreciate the time. All the best. We'll talk again next Monday. All right. Thank you. You got it. That is Louisiana Raging Cajun head softball coach Jerry Glasgow. All right, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. It's the Great Scott Show. And right now, I want to take a moment to discuss something very important. Um, It's significant for many obvious reasons. And you guys have been hearing me talk about it really for the last two months. You've been hearing the promos every day as well. And that is the Post 69 Project Patriot Home Giveaway. And here to talk to us about it this morning is Commander Stephanie Hanks from the Post 69 Project here in Lafayette. And um, Stephanie, first off, good morning. Thanks for coming in. How are you? Good morning. I am great. Thank you for having me. So we're almost here, right? It's uh, the, the, the home giveaway is this Thursday at 6 p.m. So there's only a few days left. What I've been saying for the last few months is, the beautiful thing about it is, like, you could win a home, which is awesome. Absolutely. No matter what, though, you're going to be helping veterans, which is which is awesome. So it's it's a win-win, no matter what. Correct. We are strictly a volunteer organization. All proceeds will stay right here in the Acadiana region. No admin fees. Everything will go to our programs to help the veterans, to help the active duty families, the National Guard families. We are here for the community and the families and the veterans. Winner doesn't have to be present to win, um, but you, how, so I've been running the promos. If folks are just, maybe, maybe they're just um, waiting, right? Maybe they, they, they were the kind of students that waited until the night before to study to the test. There's still time to do it. Uh, so the drawing is this Thursday, March 31st at six. You can get tickets all the way up until 5 PM, a chance to win a beautiful home where can they do that? Where can they get the tickets? They can go to our website, which is post69projectpatriot.org. Or for this week, I will open up my cell phone. If you do not have internet access, you can call me directly at 804-724-1618. And I'll be happy to take your payment over the phone. It's over 101 years. The American Legion Post 69 home has served as a functional part of this community and uh, they want to modernize it. They want to bring in new programs for the veterans, for their families, for this community. And to help rejuvenate that is this giveaway. So it's it's a big part of it. And they really getting the resources that our veterans need. I think everybody listening can get behind supporting veterans. Um, that's That's about as noble a cause as you can get. And so to do that, support it. Get your tickets right now, and you know what? Maybe you win a home. And there's a, there's an option out there to buy tickets for yourself and maybe buy tickets for a veteran out there to possibly win this as well. Is that right? Absolutely. You will see on our website that we have three wounded war heroes. So if you don't want a ticket for yourself or you want to get a ticket for yourself and one of them, you can pick one of our wounded war heroes and purchase them a ticket on the website as well. Look, our veterans have defended our freedoms. Um They've done it for us. They've done it for the country. Let's give back to them. Everybody give a part of it. Uh, buy tickets with me. They can be purchased at post69projectpatriot.org. Or as Stephanie said, Commander Hanks just told us, 
opening up her own cell phone, right? 804-724-1618. The drawing is this Thursday. Um, and if you're wondering, where's the home? It's in the uh, Birchman Oak subdivision right there in the growing area of Scott on Westgate Road. It's a great spot. It's a beautiful home. I know some folks went this past weekend to the uh, to the open house. So go ahead, do it. You won't regret it. You're going to help somebody. Commander Hanks, before I let you run, speak a little bit on, from a personal standpoint, you're, you're there up close and personal, what these donations do for you guys and how they make a difference in the veterans' lives. Absolutely. We will be working on modernizing our programs because we have a lot of younger veterans in the area also. We're there for our older veterans, but we also want to be a backbone and support system for our younger veterans. We would like to bring in more family day activities, the fun stuff for young and old and the families. We also have student programs like Boys and Girls State, and we have oratorical competitions. And we also will be bringing in financial stability courses. We're working with 11 or 12 different veteran organizations to support the PTSD treatments, the workforce programs, the helping veterans get back into school there at UL. There's some great student veteran organization representatives that we've been working with to help our veterans use their military credits towards credits in school. It's so vital. It's so important. And uh, it's something we can all get behind. One more time, guys, you can get your tickets now. Post 69 Project Patriot dot org. Go there on the web, get your tickets, or you can call Stephanie directly. You can call Commander Hanks at 804-724-1618. Commander Hanks, I appreciate you coming in this morning. Uh, I'm excited about the drawing, but I'm glad there's still a few days left for everybody listening to get on board. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Always a great uh, cause, always a great thing to do. We're going to take a quick time out here when we come back on the great Scott show. The slap everyone was talking about. The final four is now set. We will dig into that more. State's free agency. Crickets. Nothing. Still quiet. Pelicans with a giant win last night. All that and more coming your way. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on a Monday. I'm coming to you from the ESPN Lafayette studio sponsored by Bed Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers Louisiana Sportsbook app. The best Louisiana sports betting experience. Learn more at BetRivers.com. So last night, I watched the Pelicans come back from 23 down. To beat the Lakers by eight. And now really get a stronghold on that nine spot because they now have the season-long tiebreaker over the Lakers. Yes, they do get to play them again, but with only eight games left after losing Saturday to the Spurs. It was a vital game. Very important. Brandon Ingram returned after being away for a few weeks. Trey Murphy had his best game as a rookie. 
It was fun. The Smoothie King Center was rocking. I mean, now the Pelicans are not only up one game in the standings, a half a game in the standings, but it's a full game because they now own that tiebreaker. Ingram was great, too, in his return. 26 points, 10 to 17 shooting. McCollum was big in the clutch. Valanchunas was banging. Another double-double for him. What does he have, 47 this year? Herb Jones was tremendous. Six steals. He's guarding LeBron late. Meaningful basketball late in the season. It's good. It's good. Now the Pels get a little rest for a big road trip out west. Portland this Wednesday. The Lakers Friday. Clippers Sunday. Sacramento Tuesday. And then uh, two of their final three are at home. But on the Lakers side of things, you got LeBron and then nobody else, right? They're hovering over the bottom of the playoff standings. They're one game ahead of the 11th place Spurs with eight games left. And if the Lakers finish with one of the 10 worst records in the NBA, even if they're in the play-in tournament, unless they play their way into the playoffs, they're a lottery team. And if their draft pick falls in the top 10, guess who gets it? That'd be the Pelicans. Yeah, last night was fun for many reasons. Many reasons. And on the hardwood, your final four was set yesterday. Shout out Hubert Davis. I know the the, the St. Peter's Peacocks run coming to an end. The Coach K um, Love Fest tour continuing. And the over-the-top media accolades and, uh, and, and, and worship of Coach K. North Carolina, being in there is an eight seed. Look, Kansas is a one. Villanova's a two. Duke's a two. UNC is a blue blood, no doubt. But they're an eight seed, okay? This year's UNC team, I mean, they were, they were average early this season, at best. And you have Hubert Davis, who had to take over for a legend. Seeing him cry, break down into tears. Whenever North Carolina gets the win and punches their ticket to the Final Four, I mean they're playing like a juggernaut in the postseason. They beat down Duke in Coach Gay's final game of Cameron Indoor when he lost and then shushed and told all the students to be quiet. Coach Gay. Coach Gay. All right, here, here Duke is. They've earned it. They've looked good. There's no question. And they have a chance for the ultimate send-off or the ultimate heartbreak especially if it's a loss to UNC. Coach K this week said, it's been tough, you know, this farewell tour, because everywhere he goes, somebody wants to take a picture with him. Yeah, it's been tough for a guy that announced 10 months ago he was going to... Just wanted to announce now to make this final season all about the players and not himself. (laughs) Just, you know, I want to get it out the way and don't want the focus to be on me. Either way, I'm going to announce this in June. So everybody can give me goodbye gifts. Boy, they'll be giving him a goodbye gift in New Orleans. Either UNC gives him a gift he doesn't want to unwrap, or he gets to the title game and faces either Kansas or Villanova. Again, Villanova, man, to lose one of your key guards to a torn Achilles at the end, seconds left in that final four game against Houston, that's, that's tough for them. That's tough for them. 
but the blue bloods. And someone asked earlier, you know, is is Villanova a blue blood? I think they're the new blood blue blood, right? Yeah, you have the 85 title, the improbable natty they won over Georgetown. But this is their third Final Four in the last six years. They have always been a basketball team that is consistently good in the rankings. And if they somehow pull off another natty to win three in six years, no one's won natties in that close of a time since UCLA was, you know, winning it every year back in the John Wooden days. And then Kansas is just sitting there just rolling over everybody. Bill Self's like, hey, remember us? We're one of the best college basketball brands there is. The Country Club Final Four in New Orleans happening this next weekend. 54 after the hour. Jay says, North Carolina made the Final Four after Dean Smith retired. Smith also made the Final Four in his last season. History lines up right for some of those programs, doesn't it? Appreciate the email, Jay. I mean, it's... You and the, the opportunity... Like, they, they thought it was nice giving Coach K a 20-point loss in his final home game. But now it doesn't matter if Duke wins in the final four, if they beat him. If UNC sends his, if it's his last game ever, in, they've never played each other in the NCAA tournament. The stakes could not be higher, man. And again, for this state, in terms of interest and media coverage and fan bases coming in for it, the fact that this final four is in New Orleans is fantastic. Fantastic. So I was watching basketball last night. Watched the Pels finish off the Lakers. Cleaned up a little bit. Got a few things ready for the week. Went and took a shower. Coming out in my my pajamas. My wife's like, Scott, you're not going to believe it. I'm like, oh my God, what? She's like, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. And he was, it was really awkward and Chris Rock was flustered. I'm like, what? Like, it sounds, sounds, sounds staged. She's like, no, really? So we rewind it. Like, I hadn't been watching the Oscars, but oh my God. G.I. Jane too. Can't wait to see it. All right. Just a little zinger from Chris Rock to Jada Pinkett Smith. And I have found out later she has some kind of, she has a condition which just causes her hair to, you know be very short or balding and I'm not saying it's like a nice thing to say but it's Chris Rock it's a comedian on a stage it's it's a if nothing happens after that it's a throwaway no one's remembering no one's talking about it he was just a presenter and it was forgettable Will Smith changed that when he just walked right on stage and Chris is like oh here comes King Richard and it looked like a slap he learned. He learned that on some movie set because he kind of leaned into it. Now, shout out Chris Rock, number one, for keeping his composure enough to to get through it. I know he, he, he got flustered. I would, too. He was in shock. The dude never even touched his face. He kind of kept his arms behind his back, tried to stay on script. He looked off stage for a second like, are we doing this? We're just going to keep keep rolling? We're just gonna, we're, this is what we're doing. Okay. Never even touched his face. And then immediately turned into a meme and, and all this stuff of, oh, he's defending his wife. You, you don't hit a comedian. 
You don't hit a comedian when they're performing on stage. You don't set a precedent where you're walking up there and, oh, he said he'd be. It was like, of all the the, the public knowledge of things that have happened in Will Smith and Jada Smith's marriage, which is not, I mean, it it must suck. It must be hard for them. I, I get it. But it was just this little zinger. He was on the brink. That was a buildup of of something entirely different, and Chris Rock just happened to be there, and that was wild, man. And and and, and it what sucked is it it took away from just Questlove had a great moment, won a documentary, guy won an Oscar, he's giving a great speech right after that, and no one's really paying attention. They're all like, "Oh my god, wait, what just happened?" And then Will wins the Oscar, and everyone's like, "Oh, what what is he gonna say?" Talk about drama. I mean, I in the past, I would always watch the Oscars. Now that I'm older, I haven't seen a lot of the movies. I'm busy. I was like, yeah, maybe I'll just kind of read about it tomorrow. <laughs> My wife's like, no, really. He really slapped him. Like, all right, let me check this out. Whoa. When you see the unedited footage... Like, keep my wife's name out your bleeping mouth. Chris Rock's like, wow, dude, really? Again, that's the phrase you use when someone overreacts. Wow, dude, really? And then he yelled it again, and Chris Rock was like, okay, this guy might come, and I let's just move on here. One quick phone call before we wrap up the hour. Good morning. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Hello. Man, I uh, last night, Scott, I was you seen the wrap-up uh, about the Pelicans game, and I'm playing fantasy basketball for the first time, and so I got Brandon Ingram back. I was excited. I won. I'm going to the championship. And so I go to Twitter just to see what they were saying about the Pelicans and Lakers, and I'm sure I'm like, there's going to be memes everywhere. And the first thing I see, I'm not, I'm not kidding you, is you saying, man, looks like I shouldn't have went to bed or whatever you said about. I was like, guess I should have been Oscars. watching the Oscars, WTF. It, Yes, and I'm like, wait, what happened? And so I didn't know. So I, like, I'm telling you, Scott, I get up out of bed and I walk to my door, and my wife gets to the door and she's like, "Babe," I'm like, "What?" She's like, "Babe," I'm like, "What?" She's like, "Will Smith just smacked the bleep out of Chris Rock." I'm like, "Why?" And so, like, of course, Chris Rock even Twitter said it. He said, re- "Wow." If anyone didn't see the unedited footage, he's like, "Will Smith just smacked the bleep out of me." And he, yeah, again, then, I, I don't know how Chris Chris Rock credit to him for keeping that. But I don't know how he did it. He stayed on there. He never touched his face. He didn't like, he just kind of was like, he he felt the moment and he got through the nominee somehow. Man. Yeah. And and I literally, right after that, I grabbed my phone on Twitter, you know, and I just pulled down and let it refresh. And then it was like Norm, of course, a thousand posts from Norm about it. Well, there's memes everywhere. I mean, there were memes of of Lakers 23-point lead written on Chris Rock and then the slap and, you know, Pelicans, right, uh, on Will Smith. I mean, it instantly turned into a meme. Oh, man, it was just just insanity, man. And I was just, like, blown away. And so we lay down in bed and watched that Lakers thing on HBO, that uh, show with John C. Riley, and I'm laughing. And I just stopped myself and I go back to Twitter. And I'm just watching the memes, and I'm just like, holy crap, dude, this really happened. Because at first I thought it was staged. But then you see, like, the that emotion. Was, that, like, was, okay. that wasn't staged, no. no. The, the Oscar but, writers did not write that, trust me. 
Well, I can promise you this. Chris Chris Rock got a nice chin, so I got to give him kudos for that because he took that like a champ. He didn't flinch. He barely moved. I was like, check this dude out, bro. But I think anyway, he man, I think he, he was a little flush. He got. I think he got more flustered when Will Smith was just screaming at the top of his lungs profanities. After he was like, "Wow, dude, it was a GI Jane joke." Keep my wife's name out, you bleep him out. And that's when you see everyone in the audience just get real tense, like. What's um, what's what's going? Oh, this is really happening right now. Everyone, everybody's uncomfortable. You know, and now I mean, he won the Oscar, but what are folks going to remember most? That. And I'm not. I'm not taking up for the Oscars. They've, you know. It's not like it's the worst thing that's happened. I mean, they've honored some pretty um, disgusting individuals over the year that they knew were pretty disgusting, right? I mean, Roman Polanski, Harvey Weinstein. Let's not act like it was like, oh, this is the worst thing. No, it wasn't. It was, it was, it was memorable. But you, come on, this isn't some heckler on the street messing with his wife or yelling at him. I mean, this was a comedian on a stage at a show. Yes, being Lafayette. Great Scott show continues next hour. Matt Degg scheduled to join me. What a weekend on the diamond for Raging Cajun baseball to bookend it with wins. Very important series. That game on Friday night, that was... The atmosphere to the fans that stayed, that did not leave in the middle of the 11th. A few did. How you feeling after that one? What a finish. Disappointing game on Saturday, right? Too generous. You can't walk in runs and expect to win. But to bounce back yesterday and get the win that you did. Series win over a team. That's not just one of the better teams in the Sun Belt. I mean, South Alabama ranked in the top 30. We're going to dig into that. Coach Matt Degg scheduled to join me at 815. A lot more on the Great Scott Show coming up right around the corner. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Need a job? We've got them. Lofton Staffing Services has immediate openings for security guards, warehouse workers, order pickers and fillers, landscapers and groundskeepers, shipping clerks, general laborers, and logistics coordinators. These are great paying positions, working for great companies. You can work full-time or part-time. There's no fee, and at Lofton, you get paid the week you work. Call Lofton Staffing Services right now at 269-0500. That's 269-0500. Lofton Staffing Services. Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were looking at your phone while driving, let me say it again. Seriously, put down your phone. That is so unsafe. If you didn't do stuff like use your phone while driving, you could save money with Progressive Snapshot. But saving or not, just put it down. And if you did hear it the first time because you weren't looking at your phone, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. Wouldn't you love to win a beautiful home and help veterans in the Acadiana region? The Post 69 Project Patriot Home Giveaway is happening now. Buy your ticket at post69projectpatriot.org for your chance to win a beautiful home in the Birchman Oak Subdivision in Lafayette, Louisiana. 
The house drawing will take place on March 31st, and the American Legion Post 69 does amazing things for the community. Programs to help veterans find resources, educate the business community about why hiring vets is a plus, advocates on behalf of veterans in Washington and throughout Louisiana. They offer activities for youth and more. And for this home giveaway, you can buy a ticket for yourself and buy a ticket to help win the home for one of four very deserving veterans. An amazing cause we can all be a part of. All proceeds stay in the Acadiana region. Again, post69projectpatriot.org. Buy your ticket at post69projectpatriot.org. You could win a home. You will definitely help a veteran. ESPN 1420. KPEL Lafayette. ESPN 1033. K277DQ Lafayette. A Town Square media station. The best games. The best fans. The best on the bayou. The best ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. Great Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Eight o'clock hour is here. I'm coming to you from the ESPN Lafayette Studio, sponsored by Bet Rivers. Every day at Bet Rivers Sportsbook, Louisiana, you'll find line specials, daily boosted odd parlays of the day, and more. The final four is set for New Orleans this Saturday. Kansas and Villanova, North Carolina, and Duke. Unfortunate history of injuries when it comes to disrupting a team's path to a national championship. We've seen it happen before, right? Deshaun Butler. Remember Deshaun Butler at West Virginia? Maybe Huggy's best team. I mean, they were awesome. Torres ACL on a loss to Duke, who went on to win the Natty that year. Man, if Gordon Hayward had only hit that shot. In 2014, Joel Embiid got hurt right as Kansas was entering the tournament. Everybody remembers Kenyon Martin's season-ending injury. Cincinnati was the best team in the country. Suddenly, they were getting bounced in the second round. And last year, Colin Gillespie gets hurt, season-ending knee injury for Villanova, right as they're ending the tourney. Now Justin Moore, who averages 15 a game, a starting guard, an all-Big East player in the final seconds of their win against Houston. It's a torn Achilles. And they were crying. It was weird because they were, they're putting all this gear on them. Like, hey, wear this. Villanova, Final Four. You're going again. Third time in six years. Isn't this awesome? And they're crying with their teammate. Can Villanova still win without them? Look, they got Gillespie, right? But this is a team that always has multiple players. Look at the last two natties they've won. Now you're going to turn to a player in Chris, uh, what is it? Arcia Cano? Chris Arcadiacono. Chris 
I remember his brother playing with the team. He, he's averaging less than two points a game. There were six players that got double-digit minutes. They are now, of the four teams, the biggest underdog there. Now, the fact that you're talking about Villanova, the new blood of the Blue Bloods being the biggest underdog in the Final Four, when there was an eight seed there, albeit, you know, UNC, tells you what you need to know about this Final Four and that it is a country club Blue Blood Final Four, UNC. Yeah, they're an eight seed, but come on. To have their first meeting ever in the NCAA tournament, UNC and Duke, to be in the final four of Coach K's last season, oh my gosh. CBS Sports, their executives, they were all, I mean, let's just say they were riled. They were really excited when that unfolded. They, it's, it's perfect. And then on the other side, you have Kansas. No big storyline, no big thing they've had to overcome this year, no rivalry, no coach that's retiring, no team in the NCAA tournament has been better this postseason than Kansas. They have been steamrolling everybody. They've won nine in a row. I don't understand why more folks... You know why more folks aren't picking Kansas? Because... They have the least amount of storylines surrounding them. Kansas wins. It's up. It's fourth national championship. It's another one under Bill Self. Good job, Jayhawks. Great run. But they don't have UNC Duke back storyline. They don't have Villanova trying to overcome an injury and trying to win their third title in six years. They're just a really great college basketball team. And the reason more pundits aren't picking it is because there's not as much emotional emotional attachment to it. This is great for the state of Louisiana. You want to bring some tourism money back into the state, back into New Orleans, I don't know that you could have drawn up a better Final Four. Buckle up, here we go. When we come back, walk off on Friday night. Book in the weekend with a series win against South Alabama. Raging Cajun baseball. The emotions on Friday were high, man. What a night. We're going to talk about all of it with our next guest. Raging Cajun head baseball coach Matt Deggs comes on the show. This is the great Scott show. ESPN Lafayette. Don't go anywhere. Coach Deggs right after this. The biggest names in sports are talking to you every day on the Rich Eisen show with me, Rich Eisen. I know. Every weekday from noon to 3, right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Hey, sports fans, this is Rich Eisen reminding you to catch the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from 12 to 3 on ESPN Lafayette. Now, back to more of the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather. One-one pitch. There's a ground ball, and that's going to get to the right field for a base hit. Here comes Marshak. Here comes the throw. Not in time. Cajuns win. Cajuns win. Cajuns win. The freshman, Kyle DeBarge, comes through. He gets his redemption. And Louisiana wins 5-4. to four. Welcome. 
Welcome back into the great Scott show. Time to talk some raging Cajun baseball. They win the weekend series against South Alabama. Bookending it Friday and Sunday. And here to talk Cajun baseball with us is the head coach of the raging Cajuns, Coach Matt Deggs. Good morning, Coach. How you feeling on this beautiful Monday? Hey, Scotty. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Doing great. Just uh, looking at where we can get better and uh, get this day rolling. We'll have a little early hit and lift weights. And then the boys got a little meeting on some stuff later. So uh, another Monday, man. Another Monday. Not 48 hours, but a beautiful Monday nonetheless. I want to hit on the games this weekend, Coach, and then look ahead. But uh, Friday night, the atmosphere... Uh, I will say the angst from some. I'll be honest when when it's you're having trouble getting the guys from on base to score. You're having an otherworldly, incredible performance from Bo Bonds. We we talk often on this show about what makes live sporting events great is that shared emotional experience. And I tell you what, man, the Cajun fans and I think you guys kind of went through a lot of emotions Friday. But when the game ends with that jubilation in the way it did. Gosh, man, that's when you're like, how, how do you, I mean, I, I know it's tough to be on the losing end of something like that, but when you're on the winning end of it, how can you not love sports, man? Yeah, it was a great game, great atmosphere. Everybody was into it. And, you know, it was uh, obviously, you know, it doesn't need to be said, but it was much needed by us and, and uh, to get that first one and then have a chance to win the series on Saturday. Uh, that's the position you want to find yourself in. I, you know, going in, I, I was telling the boys, this would probably be the best team we've played all year, and we've played some good ones. But uh, they were really dangerous because they're gritty. I'm not talking about best talent, just best team. Uh, they play very well together. They're, they've got great coaching, and uh, they've got really, really good front-line pitching. And uh, they're hungry, too, man. They they got to see what it's like. and got really, really close uh, to winning a regional a year ago. And so I understand what that hunger feels like. And, and that's what they're working to get back to. And so that's an edge for those guys. And, uh, you know, we obviously uh, got a good start out of tally. And then Bo Bonds, you know, for five and, what was it, five and two-thirds, threw the ball as good as I've ever seen anybody throw it. And, uh, you know, I thought we competed really well offensively and, and uh, just never quit coming. You mentioned Bo Bonds, this young man uh, who I know loves to hunt and fish. He was um, he was hunting on Friday night. I mean, fourteen strikeouts. I think ninety six pitches for him. It um, it was one of those things where you're like, gosh, a performance like this. You really want to get the win for the team, also for him. Tell us a little bit about this young man. I mean, folks see him. He's demonstrative at times on the mound. Um, but, but tell, tell the listeners something about Bo that maybe they wouldn't know just watching him perform. Uh, I think he's got, and I'm not a TikTok guy, right? Uh, I know that shocks you. you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have TikTok or Snapchat. So, uh, really I only look at Twitter sometimes. That's That's about it. But Bo, I think my, my daughters are telling me he's got like, I don't know, a million, 200,000. I don't know what it is. It's a lot of followers on TikTok. Okay. Apparently, he's, he's pretty funny. And uh, Does that surprise you? Know, you? I mean, you're saying that, that like, does it, does it, do you see that in his personality, like out at practice? Ever? No, that's uh, that's just a dry sense of humor right there. Got you. Uh, 
No, he uh, he's an intense competitor. Uh, that's really good at TikTok, apparently. And uh, I don't know if that's a little fun fact about Bo. There you go. Uh, I, I, I didn't I didn't know it. I'm he, not on TikTok uh, talks either. Talks to himself on the mound. Uh, he's he's quirky. He's a quirky guy to say the least. But I love him and uh, just good old country boy from North Florida. You're right. He probably likes to hunt pigs and deer and everything else and fish and get after it. The the uh, the walk off coach. I mean, you guys had um, not brought in a run all game with runners in scoring position, and then bottom of the eleventh, suddenly you're down, and both guys to get on come home for the win. You just kept grinding. When whenever you're going through a spell where you can't bring the runners home, and it's happening in a game like that, what's your message to the team, and how do you guard against them? Maybe. Just still staying loose, not getting too tight about it all, right? Well, I just called him up after the, what was it, the 11th, top of the 11th? Yeah. And uh, we had played at a good pace all game. We hadn't pressed, hadn't done a whole lot until, the thing about it is, is we had executed our offense perfect all night. Runner at third, less than two, runner at third, less than two, runner at third, less than two. I mean, that's our entire goal. It always has been. And, uh, you know, I think we had stranded a ton of them, like 0 for 16 or so. I don't know what it was, but uh, that's a double-edged sword, right? So when you look up at the end of the game and you got 10 left on base or 12 or 14 or whatever it is, it's it's it sucks. But on the opposite end, that's a really good stat for you too because it means you got guys on base all night. And all, all good teams are going to have high levels of left on base uh, just because they're all over the bases. So – uh, my message was kind of back to my point is just relax, man. Everybody needs to chill out. I said, they think the game's over and, uh, talking about our opponent and because it did, it looked, it looked that way. And those guys are used to winning those games. And, and we've been in some tough heartbreaking games. I said, it's not over. We're going to get Julian on base and take it from there. And, and I think Jude let off with a walk and, uh, if I'm right, J Bo, I think we go fake or not fake bump. We go uh sack slug where we're going to sack them over, but we've got the option to slug if somebody vacates and hit a rocket right back at the kid. And, uh, you know, some reason he doesn't throw to second and pinch run for Jew there with Higgs and then shock, man, how big of a shot in the arm was that getting him back this weekend? Uh, shot comes up big and, and, uh, is able to take second there and hit TR and then, uh, brings up Debo probably, you know, our most clutch guy and he's able to just shove one through the four hole. So it was a great walk off win, uh, get into Saturday chance to win the series. And, uh, it's a tight, tight ball game against their best arm. And, uh, you know, we've, we've grinded on this kid all game. Boswell's their best arm. Uh, really, really good fastball. So it demoralizes you a little bit when you can't get on top of it. And, uh, but you know, we're getting after, I think we put five earned on him and, uh, you know, that should be enough to take him down, especially in conference play. And, uh, we have a check swing, not called that's on us. So we've got to sell that better. We have got to get that call from first base and we, we addressed it and, and then we go three straight uh, freebies coming out the bullpen, which just can't happen. And uh, so basically gift wrap it there and, and get into Sunday. And, uh, you know, I thought uh, 
I thought, what a weekend Rocco had, you know. Uh, go down too early, and then he answers for us, and, uh, you know, we're able to just kind of suck him into our ball game and, and uh, score three there late and, and uh, find a way to win that thing. I thought, uh, you know, just looking at the weekend, you got Bonds standing out. I thought Chipper Menard stood out this weekend, obviously Rocco, and then, like I said, a huge shot in the arm getting uh, Marshock back. Two, two out of three is great. We have got to, and we're in the middle of this, right? Uh, we, this program has got to get back to the days where we're not celebrating two out of three, man. And that's just where I'm at personally. It's, it's, it's uh, the standards got to continue to go up. You mentioned Rocco uh, Carson Rockford. He is obviously having uh, an outstanding season. Is he in your mind just with a 363 average and I think 31 RBIs got seven homers? I know there's a lot of baseball left, but is he playing at an All American level in your mind? Yeah, I mean. That's what I see when I look at him. I mean, this he's a really good player. He's a super talented hitter, and he's got great instinct and skill and hand-eye. And you're not going to, you know, you, you have a better chance of slipping a piece of cheese past a rat than you do a, a fastball past Rocco. I mean, he can really get after a fastball. Just a really good player. He should be an All-American at some point here. You mentioned... Um getting to a point where it's not a celebration just to win a series, right? Two out of three. Um, you, you, we've talked a lot about, as you put it, you know, the pitching can't be generous, right? You can't give up free bases. You can't give up free runs. What is another aspect of your team right now? You feel like we clean this up we can clean this area up along with that one. Then we can get up to that standard that we're all striving for. We've got talent, right? But we've got, to learn to play the game better. And, uh, you know, I can't hold a pitch on a check swing. Can't do it. You got to check, you got to go, you got to run that, that, that call straight to that first base umpire with enthusiasm. And, uh, Jew is catching at a, at a professional level right now, too. I mean, he's looking like a future big leaguer back there, uh, which I'm very, very proud of. And, you know, we can't run to first on a foul ball off our leg which happened yesterday, you know, all of us are in a sales position. And uh, from the dugout to the coaches to the players on the field, if you sell something hard enough, odds are you're going to get it. And uh, we're just the how to win awareness aspect of things, the the uh, generosity, uh, we're all better than that, all of us. And, uh, yeah, two out of three is pivotal for us right now uh, in our current state. But that's not the mission. That's not where the standard is here. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, should have been a sweep. And, and South Al can say the same thing about us. They can say they should have swept. Uh, but we've got to create more separation, play better baseball, and, and raise the bar just a hair. As long as you guys are selling better um, on the diamond than you did when it was, you know, pharmaceutical sales, right? <laughs> Had to circle back there, Coach. Had to circle back on that one. Well, let's keep things in perspective there. Okay. I mean, I was, uh, I was lost. So uh, I'm not making excuses, but I was just terrible. <laughs> you go. You got you to be selling something you love. I know you love baseball. Um, you know, in your life, it's, it's family and it's baseball. And uh, right now in the thick of it, you got 
two midweek games on the road. Hammond tomorrow against Southeastern. Wednesday in New Orleans against UNO. I've talked to Bab for years and others, really, about being able to, to, to play college baseball in Louisiana. There are a lot of benefits to it, and one is all the opponents you get in state that are, you know, year in, year out, you're usually going to get multiple quality opponents. There's just great college baseball in the state of Louisiana. Um, what challenges, you know, are, are, are you wanting to see your team answer in these two midweek games before you get back to conference at Russo Park this next weekend? Well, they're gritty, gritty toughness games, right? I mean, what you get in state is grit. There's just a lot of grit in the state of Louisiana, and especially on the road. And uh, those guys, you know, hate your guts and want want to beat you up. And you've got to match that uh, with your focus and and uh, ability to to slow things down and 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 play a good brand of baseball, and especially uh, in pressure situations. And stop being so generous and uh, play a little bit more suffocating brand of baseball. You know, the difference between here and Texas is on Tuesday night when I was in Texas is is Baylor and uh, TCU and A and M and uh, there's just more there's bigger schools closer to you, right? And uh, so it's easy to to get up for those games. And uh, you know, this is grit on Tuesday nights, man. And uh, to me, it's a lot more dangerous. Uh, you, you've got to bring your A game because it won't get after you. Coach Matt Deggs has been our guest, Louisiana Raging Cajun Baseball, uh, this week. Tomorrow against Southeastern, that one can be heard here. Wednesday's game, uh, one of the few midweek games this year that will be on our sibling station, News Talk 96.5 KPL, And then, of course, next weekend it is on 96.5 as well, Coach Diggs, I always appreciate the time, man. These Monday chats are fun. I'll let you get back to work, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, all right? Have a great week, Scotty. Thank you. You got it. Coach Matt Diggs. As he says, right, can't just be happy to win two or three. The standard's got to be even bigger than that. But right now for us, it's pivotal to win these series. Cajuns 9-5 at at home this season. Away from home, 2-7. You got two road games in the midweek right now, important ones, Southeastern tomorrow, UNO Wednesday. Then you got Georgia Southern at home, and then it's a a long road trip with back-to-back games at La Tech Tuesday and Wednesday, then at Arkansas State, so... Coming down the line here, in the thick of it. Emails are open. You can email me, scott at ESPNLafayette.com. You can call the show now, 337-269-1077. Phone lines are open. 337-269-1077. Carl emails. Scott, can you play that Jay Walker call one more time for me? I'd be happy to, Carl. Jay Walker. Audio courtesy of Learfield on the call Friday night for DeBarge's walk-off. Cajuns win an extra innings. A 1-1 pitch. There's a ground ball, and that's going to get into right field for a base hit. Here comes Marshak. Here comes the throw. Not in time. Cajuns win. Cajuns win. Cajuns win. The freshman, Kyle DeBarge, comes through. He gets his redemption, and Louisiana wins 5-4. to four. Big series win. Big series win. 
you know, on the diamond this weekend as well for LSU. They were on the road prior to this weekend, you know, even though they had won 15 games, the wins weren't, you know, with with the exception of, of an extra innings win against Oklahoma, there were no notable wins on this schedule where you're like, wow, this was this was big for them. And then they go to Gainesville and they take two of three from Florida and in the two wins had 27 hits combined. Florida was number nine in the country. As I said last Friday, it was a show me weekend for LSU and LSU showed something this weekend on the diamond. Now, as we get here to the end of March and then into April, the meat of the college baseball season is here and college softball for that matter as well. We've talked Final Four. We've talked Pelicans. We've talked Cajun softball and baseball. Other diamond sports. Saints free agency. What have the Saints done in free agency? Well, not much. Everybody's saying, oh, they're just still waiting for the market to settle. We are now two weeks into this thing, guys. Okay? It's been a minute. It's been a while. Legal tampering started two weeks ago. We're still here. Oh, Saints have 23 million calf space. Saints have an offense that is worse right now than it was a year ago. Is it not? Oh, the return of Michael Thomas. Cool. Well, you lost to Ron Armstead. You still don't have anything after Thomas. And Alvin Kamara is going to be gone for multiple games. Tell me again how they're somehow better as if they were good last year. Right. Speaking of the NFL, hard knocks. Now, I, I hard knocks hasn't been good for a while. Used to be a great show, right? For those that watch hard knocks on HBO every year, kind of just, it's almost like a palate cleanser for like the NFL season. More so than preseason. Preseason games are... And yeah, I watch the Saints preseason games because I, I, I need to for my job, but I never really enjoy it. It's just a tease. Hard Knocks used to really, for me, be that palate cleanser for the NFL season to get me fired up. And the only year I didn't watch it was when they had the Falcons on. The rest of it I watched. Last year I started watching it. I couldn't even make it through, and it was the Cowboys. It was awful. At some point, Hard Knocks turned from... HBO, NFL Films, Inside Access, they're doing their things to, okay, the team that gets to do this is going to have way more control and it's just going to be a big PR thing for them. just didn't feel real anymore. And we used to say, well, if they released an in-season one, that'd be good. Well, they did this past year with the Falcons, with the uh, Colts, and the ratings weren't all that great. I didn't even watch an episode. Why am I even bringing this up? Because the NFL announced today that the Detroit Lions will be the featured team on Hard Knocks training camp. The Detroit Lions, five-episode season debuting in August. And that'll be. Look, Dan Campbell is a coach that's made to have a microphone on him. He is. You got Tracy Walker, one of the leaders, new contract, Raging Cajun. Maybe he'll be featured on it. I'd, I'd like to think they can get this done. I mean, look, Hard Knocks has won 18 sports Emmys over the years. 
They have a 30-person NFL Films crew. They say unfiltered access. Well, that wasn't the case last year with the Cowboys. Really wasn't the case for the COVID year with the Chargers slash Rams for a very boring hard knocks. It's hard to do when you're not really playing preseason games. Can the Lions bring, I, I'll give, I mean, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to watch a few. We'll see. I think you've got a good coach and a good team from an entertainment standpoint. We'll see if they can uh, not screw it up. But if they, if it's garbage again this year, I might just be done with it. Might be done with it. ESPN Lafayette, welcome into the great Scott show. Good morning. Hello. Well, you're pretty optimistic, aren't you? About what? Depends, depends what you're talking about. About the Saints. Uh, yeah, I don't know where you got that information. Well, I, yeah, I figure, well, I, I, it's, it's a little humor there. Monday morning humor there. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, no, no, it's fine. I'm not in a laughing mood. No, I'm good. I'm good on a Monday. I'm good on a Monday. I just, you know, I, I just, they, they, the offense is, is not good. What well, do you, it, say? you do realize, you do realize that we, have a draft coming up, and you do realize that we have four picks, right? Four picks in the top 101. That's right. That's right. And let me let me tell you something. I, I, you know, with all the talking that I hear all of these so, so-called draft experts do, one thing I haven't heard any of them mention yet is that this draft is going to be the mo- most unique draft of any draft that they've ever had since probably since the inception of the draft, or at least in the last 40 years. You know what that is, Scott? Sure. You'll tell me. Okay. You have more football players that are going to be ready to put on the football field as polished products from jump street than you will have ever had in the history of the draft. This draft is deeper than any draft that's ever been in the last 40 years. If I wanted a place in any draft, it would be this draft. The last draft that I would want to waste or lose players in would be this particular draft here because the COVID put everybody in a unique situation where you have guys that have had that not only that extra year, but the extra two years of college under their belt. And you've got a guy, you have potentially four Hall of Fame left tackles that are coming out in one draft. Now, I know you go, oh, well, how do you get that? Well, these four tackles <laughs> that are coming out in this draft, it's the best draft class of tackles ever. You've got guys that would normally be in the first round that are going to be second and third and maybe even fourth round pitch at that position because of how good these football players are. And you've got great defensive players in those off the defensive line positions that you normally don't have an opportunity to go get. So if I, my team didn't waste all of their picks, and it's because it's not really free agency. You're trading, okay? Free agency is when you get a chance to get a guy. If I missed out on a guy because I wasn't willing to trade my, my mortgage and my home and my family to get one person, 
tough. I'm not. That didn't hurt me. I'm not hurt. And and I've heard so many people act so down because one player. We didn't get one player in a trade that would have cost us. First of all, well, I, you, you know, you know, I, I didn't. I was never for that. For the record, okay. Um, well, I hope not. I was never. I, I was. Not, I was never for that move. There. See, here's the thing that I've I've appreciated about what the Saints have done in, in free agencies in the past that I haven't seen them do yet. In the past, whenever they've had a guy that they knew was going to have a big payday, they usually have someone on the secondary market they sign quickly. Um, whether it be when Carl Nick signed with Tampa Bay, they went out and get Ben Grubbs. When they signed Larry Warford, he wasn't their first choice. There was a guy from Cleveland they zoned in on, and then he had this major offer, and they're like, we're not going to pay that much. And then they got Warford. Like, They've had secondary players that aren't the big, sexy names, but they bring them in, and the guys have proven to be pretty good. And and this one, yeah. I haven't really seen them do any of that. Like that's where I'm at. I'm not. I you know, it, it, yes, the draft. Well, they're gonna need. They're gonna need to. They're going to need to hit on this draft in a in a very big way. And I'm I'm open. I'm not. It's not like it's not like my mind can't be changed to this point right now. I mean the Saints aren't as good as they were last year. That can change between now and August. But right now, I want to, well, I want to see what they do next before I'm going to start celebrating. Well, it, 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 you look at the situation, you've got your quarterback back, and I don't care what anybody says. The fact is that the record shows that Jameis Winston had 14 touchdowns, three interceptions, a five and two record and a hundred and two quarterback rating. There was absolutely nothing, nothing, nothing wrong with anything he did for that football team. And if you go back and look at his first half of his first season running that football team and you compare it to Drew Brees, it was he had a better first seven games. It should have been six and one if Sean Payton hadn't blown that football game. And if we'd have had a decent field goal kicker on that football team last year, he would have been six and one instead of five and two. And the thing is, he was as good, if not better, than Drew Brees was his first half of his first season with New Orleans. And people are so stuck in their own hearing the same stupid stuff over and over and over again that they can't let the past go away and they're too busy, you know, trying to make up a narrative that they can't figure out when a player is doing a great job and when he ain't doing a great job. And I'm looking at, I'm looking at this football team. Yeah. Does this offense need some help? Absolutely. It needs some help. I would take the first four picks. I would go offensive tackle, then I take the best wide receiver or tight end available. So you're you're not you're not as high on on Caesar Ruiz as you were his rookie year when you said he was I better than Willie Rowe. Offensive Rowe's. tackle, ten game Taron okay. does need replacement. Okay, but nevertheless, <laughs> ten game Taron was ten game Taron, and when did he abandon us? Every year at the most Stop. at the at the time of year when we needed him the most, which Damn. was the playoffs. Okay, he was never there for the playoffs. Yeah, we got to, we got to, we, we, we're up against the break. Just Caesar Ruiz, yeah. just tell me you're not as high on him as you used to be. I'm not as high on okay. Caesar Ruiz as I was hoping to be. No, no, not as you were hoping. Game. You said he was better than Willie Rofe after his first two starts. You said that. 
I said that Caesar. Yeah, no, you said it. You said. Hey, look, some, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm wrong a lot too. I'm wrong a lot too. I just, I, I love the positivity. I love the optimism, and I can't wait for the draft. There's, 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 there's one thing you and I will both agree on. I'm looking forward to late April. Let's have this talk. I, I can tell you right now. I'm looking at what's going on in this league right now, and the New Orleans Saints are going to be at least the number six seed okay. in this playoff. Yeah, that, they might do year. that in the NFC. That that might happen. I'm not. I, w- I wouldn't take that off number the table. Six. Appreciate okay. it, man. Let's see where they go from Appreciate here. Appreciate the call, the, Kyle. The dog season isn't over yet. It ain't over yet by a long stretch. Let's give them some time and see what they do. How about that? Sounds good to me. Later. Don't go anywhere when we come back. New blood, blue blood. Final four coming to New Orleans. We're breaking it down next on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. And the Cinderella team, their Cinderella run ended, and it looks like their head coach's tenure there likely will as well. Give you the details on that. We'll be back after this. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. While the team's giving all they got against the opponent, he's giving all he's got on the airwaves. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! Who in a minute make I feel good to go? I like a snow day for school with hot cocoa. Sit on the seat when I heard to say what I know am I? My zodiac sign is Scorpio. Welcome back into the great Scott Show. DSP and Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. Uh, more takes. A lot of takes. From a lot of you that I'm just being too negative about the Saints. Sorry, I, you know, want more. James Butler, my friend, former Green Bay Packers wide receiver, former UL wide receiver, will be in studio tomorrow morning from 7 to 8 with me. He is the always optimistic Saints fan. Big Pelicans fan as well, among other things. Jay Walker will be in tomorrow between 8 and 9 in studio. Looking forward to that. The final four is set. It's coming to New Orleans. And boy, CBS executives are uh, beaming. You know, the NFL plays on Sundays. College college football plays on Saturdays. And yeah, the NFL has Monday night and Thursday night. I get all that. But Sundays, particularly Sunday nights, are the night where U.S. citizens are at their home the most. On average. Second on that list is actually Tuesday nights. I say this because... It's why networks, cable channels, premium channels, HBO, whatever, would put their top-tier 
shows or sporting events or whatever on Sunday evenings. It's why, for the most part, with a few exceptions, uh, wrestling pay-per-views for years would go on Sunday night. You're trying to get the biggest pool to draw from. Now, the Final Four has always been a Saturday-Monday thing, the men's Final Four. And so Saturday evening for a game that will tip off just before or possibly right around 8 o'clock is the Final Four. It'll get some good ratings. But it's a Saturday, not a Sunday night. And in terms of ratings, they're a little different now with all the streaming options and things like that. But one thing still remains true, and that is the big sporting events. And while some of you may DVR stuff, record stuff, try to watch after the fact, you're worried about spoilers, you're worried about not seeing games live, you want to consume the sporting event as it happens. You're not going to binge watch a Saints season. For a Saturday night college basketball sports broadcast, Duke UNC this Saturday might break the record. Ten years ago, Kansas lost to Kentucky in the national championship game in New Orleans. Anthony Davis was the Final Four's most outstanding player. Nine years prior to that, it was Carmelo Anthony and Syracuse. Who is going to cut down the nets in New Orleans a week from tonight? Bill Self is hoping he has some better luck in that building. Because Kansas lost both of those. But they've been to the Natty in New Orleans the last two times it was there. And taking on Villanova, who's missing one of their key players now, they'll be the favorite. But it's the other side that has all the intrigue. Coach K. Does the arch rival UNC get to put him down like old Yeller? Or does Duke give him the ultimate send-off? I said it before. I, I am not a Dukey. Don't root for the Blue Devils. Never have. Not a Coach K guy. I like to point out some of the hypocrisy when it comes to Coach K and Duke, and now he's covered. I understand there are a lot of hardcore Duke fans. I know some of them. Some of them are my close friends. In fact, I have some in my family. Brother-in-law graduated from Duke. But I'm going to miss Coach K. Rooting against Duke is fun. And when they win, it's tough. And the Duke fans get their roses. And when they lose, it's funny. But for his farewell tour, which he said is exhausting and it's tough and people always want to take a picture with him everywhere he goes, he just wants it to be about the kids. When Coach K back in June announced that he was going to retire at the end of the season, unlike Roy Williams, who waited until last season ended and quietly retired and said Hubert Davis is the guy. Just different how it's going down. But Duke, UNC, with Coach K having a chance to win a sixth national championship. This is the 17th Final Four appearance under Duke. Duke is 13-2 and two in their last 15 games. One of those losses, yeah, they lost pretty handily in Coach K's last game at Cameron Indoor to UNC. No one's going to remember that if they go out and beat the Tar Heels in the Final Four. The only thing that would make this even bigger is if they weren't playing until Monday. But then you would have a whole week of buildup and you weren't sure if they were going to play each other. So on one hand, you know you definitely get the matchup. 
Holy cow. I, I might. I, I think I might have to go to the national title Monday. Now, I know it's not Duke UNC. I mean, I can't go Saturday, but I might just have to go. It's too, it's too perfect, you guys. The setup is there. The drama is there. The Country Club Final Four, the Blue Blood Final Four. Nova, they're a new blood blue blood, right? This is awesome. Can't wait. It's going to be a great week on these airwaves every morning. Join me right here on the Great Scott Show ESPN Lafayette. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. James Butler in studio, then Jay Walker. Dan Patrick Show is coming your way next. Because you can't, you won't, and you don't stop.